0: Hi, I'm Paul Listick, and welcome to Behind the Curtain, And good day, everybody, and welcome to Paul Listening Behind the Curtain, our venture here on WGN Radio, which uh, gives me a chance. Well, as you know, on the television side, of course, I'm the political analyst. On the radio side, it allows me to do some other things and getting into some entertainment. But today, I stick with my roots, my roots of politics, because my guest for this entire show, no splitting it up this time, is David K. Johnston, uh, the author of many books, but the one we're talking about today is his newest. It's called The Big Cheat. How Donald Trump Fleeced America and Enriched Himself and His Family. Uh, Now, David is uh, an investigative reporter. He's written other books. This is not his first, as I've said. It's one called It's Even Worse Than You Think, What the Trump Administration is Doing to America. Uh, That was back in 2018. The making of Donald Trump, perfectly legal, what people do to their taxes so rich people don't have to pay money, all sorts of things. David K. Johnson, welcome to Behind the Curtains. I appreciate your time. Well, Paul, thank you for having me on. So we're going to talk about the book and all that, but I want to start in a place where, you know, I see you're all over television. I certainly see you on so many networks, but here's what people have not asked you. And I think it's important because you never know who's tuning in here, who's listening. And so... Uh, the, you, it's fair enough to say that you don't put Donald Trump in a very positive light in your writing. Um, and so, what I want to ask you is: for those people who might tune in, who are Trump fans, uh, Trump supporters, who, you know, who aren't going to believe anything we're about to talk about, they're going to accuse you of being a never-trumper. You are out for him from the beginning. You're making all this up. So let me let's address that right up front. How can we know we can trust your findings and your analysis?
1: Well, everything in my three Trump books, plus the material in my 1992 book about the casino industry, Temples of Chance, involving Donald Trump, comes from public records, my interviews with Donald, and other documented material. And in my Trump trilogy that you just went through, in the back of the book, I put my email. I invite readers to contact me if there's any factual error. The first two books, uh, The Making of Donald Trump, and It's Even Worse Than You Think, sold in uh, various languages around the world, as well as being uh, New York Times bestsellers here in America. Uh, one word, a one-word error has been found so far by readers, and it was just one of those really dumb things where you should have said black and I said white, and it wasn't about Trump. It was about something else. Uh, so one one error. And I've known Donald Now for almost 34 years, Paul, Uh, uh, everything I wrote about him when I was especially closely following him in the late 80s and the 90s has held up over time. Every single fact. Uh, So my track record so far has been on writing about Donald spot on perfect because I'm very careful about what I do.
0: And I guess just one follow-up to that to kind of button up the issue, or button up all the issue, and that is to say, if your research, when you started doing this work before the trilogy and all that, if in fact you had come to terms and said, oh, you know what, I, this guy does nothing wrong. He's one of those honest business guys out there, and I'm good with that. Maybe you wouldn't have written the books, but is it fair enough to say then, then that would have been your conclusion? And you, if you wrote a
1: book, that's what it would say. Exactly correct, and that's true of everybody I've ever written about. Um, but there are people who I identified uh, over the years uh, and said, this person is worth uh, spending time learning about, building up files on them. Uh, and those folks included the police chief in L.A., Daryl Gates, uh, Baron Hilton, the hotelier who tried to quite literally snatch two-thirds of a billion dollars from poor children, and uh, Jack Welch at, at GE, whom I uh, wrote about rather extensively. Um, so what, what I've tried to do is, is identify people who I think were important to America economically, politically, or culturally, and very carefully document what they've actually done, as opposed to what they want you to focus on about what they've done.
0: So... You've written a trilogy of books about Trump, but this book, The Big Cheat, really does focus in, this is sort of the beginning of the election season for him, 2015. You take it through uh, the, the first term, so this is really sort of the reflection of his years in office. And what I found really interesting at the beginning of the book, uh, because, look, Trump's been around for a long time, right? The man's in his 70s. He, he was news and in the 70s and, uh, and ever since then. But you say back in 2015, the country was ready, was ripe for your work words, a huckster or a con man to, to step in and accomplish what he did. Now, I won't say Trump is a huckster or a con man, but, but you did say the country was ready for that kind of thing to happen. Why?
1: Well, my earlier economics trilogy, one of which won the investigative book of the year award, uh, documented how in America, the bottom 90 percent of Americans, especially the bottom about 70 percent are really worse off today than they were 50 years ago. Um, uh, I'll give you an example of the kind of data uh, that I do. Um, Every year, Social Security publishes to the penny how much people were paid in salary and wages in this country. And I just, uh, my latest analysis shows that of all the pay raises handed out in America in the year 2020, the pandemic year of 2020, 82% of the money in pay raises went to people who already made at least a million dollars a year. And this is the kind of data that you don't widely read elsewhere because people don't take the time, as I do, to carefully analyze and go through these numbers and report them. So Donald comes along in 2015 with his latest campaign. Remember, he's been talking about being president since 1987, and he, he literally uses lines of mine in his campaign materials, uh, which isn't surprising, uh, given how much time the two of us have spent with each other. And given that Americans were feeling really strained, I mean, to go effectively after a whole generation of work people are worse off than they had been their children are not doing as well as they did unless you're in the the uh, uh, top 10 percent or so uh donald came along and said i alone can save you i can fix this uh he appealed to people on an emotional level at every campaign stop uh we love you whereas uh the person he was running against hillary clinton basically had, oh, here, I have a 17-point plan for this, and um, by the way, blah, 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 and oh, uh, here's another 17 points. Donald spoke to people's hearts in a way that really connected with people who may not understand why they're hurting, but they knew they were hurting economically.
0: And as you walk through the history, and I'm going to walk through some of that history with you. See, this is the pleasure of a podcast. We don't have the three and a half minutes that you get on television, um, yeah. but but you get to explain. But I, I've got to start with sort of like fairly recent news, which was it was only maybe at this point a couple of weeks ago or so that the uh, special prosecutors, the special business prosecutor folks who are working with the New York uh, uh, AG's office quit and now we don't know what their investigation says, we, we don't know what's going on, but all we can do as lawyers and, and, and analysts and such is kind of guess what's happening. And so the best guess that people have been putting together, I'm, I'm a lawyer myself, even though I don't practice anymore, but the best guess has been that um, it's probably because the the new uh, district attorney basically said, you know what, there's nothing here, and we're not proceeding, and these guys said, then we're out of here. Is that a reasonable conclusion? Because if it is, then when we look at all of your research don't we say well maybe it's just all
1: wrong because hey even those investigating may have come up with there's nothing here yeah i would look at this a little differently paul and just to be clear i'm not a lawyer but i have been a professor of law now for 14 years at syracuse yeah you're University over at syracuse College.
0: exactly yes yeah. i've taught barbary there by the way but go ahead
1: um so uh the the best expert on racketeering law in america had been had left his multi-million dollar annual practice to work for the Manhattan District Attorney, and uh, it's very clear that the new District Attorney Alvin Bragg uh, was stymieing their investigation. We don't know why. I'm sure we're going to learn more about this from news accounts in the near future. But putting together what's called an Article 460 case against Donald Trump. It shouldn't even be difficult. The, the difficulty should be in making sure you've buttressed the cases against defenses. Uh, the Trump administration has committed many felonies. Uh, Trump, in fact, and his lawyers in public statements have acknowledged the commission of multiple felonies that would qualify for such a case. So what, uh, we don't know what's going on, but we clearly know that Alvin Bragg, the, the new district attorney, says no, I didn't shut down the investigation. It's proceeding, uh, proceeding without the expert on RICO law in America makes me wonder. You know what is actually going on? We don't know. There are other criminal investigations though, of Trump. The, the Mimi Roca, the district attorney in neighboring Westchester County, who was a career federal prosecutor for twenty years, is investigating Trump. The Attorney General of Washington D.C. is looking into where did the hundred and seven million dollars of money for the inaugural go and in my book the big Cheap, there's a chapter about how uh, the person running the galas was asked to take money illegally off the books uh, presumably from uh, russia connected interests uh, and she's testified uh, in washington about this repeatedly uh, before the investigators for the, the the attorney general there and then in fulton county georgia there is a special grand jury underway And in the state of New York, there is a civil investigation by the state attorney general. So there's lots of investigations going on. And just recently now, the January 6th committee, the bipartisan January 6th committee, has filed a document 200 pages long saying that they have credible evidence of felony conspiracy uh, involving Donald Trump and the insurrection. And
0: so time will tell as all that develops. But you, of course, build your case from the early days. And early on in the book, you call you start with what you call, as I remember, you called it the original lie. It's, it's what he said when he basically introduced himself uh, after coming down that escalator. But but what you say about that original lie was that he sort of promoted a, a popular movement that all of America wanted to uh, you know wanted to join. But that as you look back now, several years later. There's probably millions of Trump supporters around the country who would go, well, that's not a lie. We,
1: he did bring us something we've wanted. We put him in office. Well, and no, I agree. I mean, look, there, there are millions of people who voted for Donald Trump. Not as many as voted for Joe Biden or for Hillary Clinton, but there are millions of them. Many people continue to believe that Donald Trump is the person he is sold you on. Uh, And that's what my books have been about. I mean, as others have observed, I probably know more about his, his finances and his business activities than any other journalist. And so I have very carefully documented from the public record his behavior, whether it's the extraordinarily deep involvement he had with a major drug lord for whom he did extraordinary, truly extraordinary favors and whose case was handled in a very unusual way to showing how uh, his son-in-law, after on the orders of Donald Trump getting a national security clearance, uh, the experts in this field wanted to deny him a national security clearance and anybody else would never have gotten one based on what I show in the book. His involvement with Middle East uh, interests to bail himself out of a billion-dollar business error that threatened to sink the Kushner family fortune, and how in doing that, Donald Trump attacked American allies and helped people who are just really monstrous governments, but who were bailing out the Kushner family. And this is submarining American national security to advance the family's business interests. And I don't think, Paul, most people understand that. I mean, the fundamental thing I do in The Big Cheat is stories appeared. There'd be one in the uh, Wall Street Journal and then the New York Times or Bloomberg, the business news agency, or AP, and they were just a bunch of loose threads. It's like if you walked into a a millinery shop and there's just pieces of, of thread on the floor, and I wove all of these into a tapestry to show you In understandable English, you don't have to be a business expert or a finance expert. Here's what was going on in this administration. And we've never had things go on that way. We've had lots of presidents who were uh, dumb or corrupt or whatever, but we've never had a president who turned the White House while they were in office into a family and friends uh, money machine. Uh, people do that when they leave office i mean look at the the clintons they left office and then they got rich from the activities they did uh gerald ford same thing ronald reagan same thing after they left office not using the powers of the presidency to steer money into their pockets and take care of themselves and other people on a grand scale to the point where Two different inspector general reports recommended criminal prosecution of cabinet officers.
0: You know, and by the way, I do want to, many reviews of your book, The Big Cheat, have talked about how easy it is to read. I want to affirm that because I'm not an accountant, uh, and I was a little worried that I would get mired down into numbers and figures and forms, and, but boy, the book, no, the, I read the book in just like two days because it is not that. It just reads like a, like a good story uh, going through, so congratulations on that. But one of the things, Thank you know, you. what I find, David, I don't know about you, but, you know, just, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I get a letter in the mail from the uh, Illinois Department of Resident Revenue because apparently I owe them $13, I don't know know why, um, but uh, they, they want $13. And they're on top of that man, and I won't pay him that $13 um, because they'll prosecute me if I don't. So if we have governments like that coming after me, who basically tries to pay all of his taxes ahead of time when I can, I owe him $13 through whatever error. You write in the book about, unless uh, we'll get back to to President Trump, but with regard to Ivanka coming in and all the deals she did with China and getting the patents, and Jared Kushner who ran the Middle East program and he had all these these uh, you know buildings and what going on in the Middle East. Why is it over the course of all these years? We have just, we read about, we hear about it on various television shows, but no prosecutions, no allegations, no challenges. Is it that their statue statute of limitations that haven't run and they still might be in trouble? Or is this just stuff
1: no one cares about? They care about my $13? Well, uh, you really hit upon the heart of the problem here. Both political parties have paid very little attention to ordinary Americans now for decades. And the result of that has been the building up of laws that I wrote about in my first trilogy, the economics one, perfectly legal, free lunch, and the fine print, that have changed the economy and uh, created these massive extraction machines, and a little number to keep in mind about this. I revealed years ago that the 175 oil and natural gas pipeline companies in America don't pay federal income tax they're exempt from it but the rates they charge set by government include not just the income tax but what's called the gross up tax so if the tax is 50 percent the grossed up rate is 75 percent and you pay this money to them but they never turn it over to the government on the other hand it's three cents a day by my measure Uh, After I revealed this, Congress had a study done. They said it's two cents a day. Okay, two cents a day, three cents a day, a penny a day from everybody in America at the end of the year is over a billion dollars. And our government is full of things like this because people say, "Ah, I don't want to be involved in politics. Uh, We passed campaign finance reforms after Watergate that have made people responsible in office, not to their constituents so much as to their donors. And so we have really serious problems here. And in, in the tax area, my next book, the book I set aside when Donald announced seven years ago, is a whole new federal tax system that's been gone over by numerous experts who all say it would work if the public will support it, because the people who profit off our tax system, and many, many people actually are better off after taxes than before, hard as that is for people with a paycheck to understand, um, they're going to want to kill this right away because it would make them pay taxes like everybody else. So I've actually spent years working on this in a very dedicated way. Now, Donald never being charged, his family never being charged, that goes to two problems. One is we have very weak white-collar crime laws in America, and we make very little effort to enforce them. Uh, It's not like the way we treat Uh, Street crime, blue collar crime, although I'd point out that only about half of murders are ever solved by the police. So lots and lots of people commit crimes in America and get away with them. But in the area of white collar crime, which is what the Trump family has been doing since the 1800s, there's minimal law enforcement. And uh, Donald uh, had as his second father, that's his term, not mine, his mentor, the notorious lawyer Roy Cohn who taught him when he was in his 20s, never, ever apologize, never acknowledge error. If law enforcement comes after you, they're corrupt. The police are corrupt. The prosecutors are corrupt. You're as pure as the driven snow. Never concede an inch. And Donald beat four grand juries as a young man, which very few people know. He was investigated by four different grand juries, ran out the clock on two of them and ratted out other people for another one of them. He was involved in sales tax fraud, and the mayor of New York, Ed Koch, said he should have served 15 days in jail for his crimes. Uh, Donald then immediately began attacking uh, the mayor, and the way he avoided uh, going to jail in that case, by the way, was the prosecutors went after the jewelry store Trump was doing business with and prosecuted the store manager, who was an Italian national, just went back to Italy instead of the customers, who were the real beneficiaries of these frauds? So it shouldn't be surprising that that the Trump family have not been prosecuted in the past. Very few wealthy white-collar crimes are prosecuted in this country relative to the amount of damage that they do and how widespread they are.
0: So... I hear what you're saying. I don't disagree with it. And then, of course, we add one factor in here, which is if we were having this conversation, but Donald Trump was never president of the United States, then everything you say would just be the way it is for folks in, in, in white America here and, and those in the wealthy class. That's the way things go. But, uh,
1: but Trump I've was... Said pre- all the way along, Paul, Paul, I've said all the way along, if Donald hadn't run for president, he would just continue his life as, the, uh, as a first-rate, masterful con artist. But because he ran for president, then it drew a lot of attention to his activity that wasn't there before. And so in a way, you know, this is a problem of his own making. And, of course,
0: President Trump's response to everything is it's a hoax, it's a witch hunt, they're after me, they've always been after me. And one of the special things that comes along with being president, I don't have to tell you, of course, is this concept of emoluments. You write a lot about that in the book. And, uh, and I teach constitutional law, whatever. So this was a concern to me. And it always seemed to me that there were questions that should be raised about uh, the way in which what emoluments refers to, the way in which this person holding public office, the presidency, should not be making money from foreign entities and arguably domestic entities. And you write in the book about the fact that whenever he golfed, he was golfing at one of his uh, one of his own clubs and, and uh, the government paid full rate for the Secret Service that was with him. But again, I'm trying to think as a Trump supporter what they would say, and their response would be, hey, he can golf wherever he wants. He's entitled to get the 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 rents for his his uh, apartments when he needs Secret Service. He'd be paying it if he were at some other club. So maybe it's an ethical question, but it's not
1: illegal. Oh, it's, it's absolutely illegal. Um, uh, we have the emoluments clause that the founders, the framers of our Constitution wrote, because they were very familiar, Paul, with the history of British kings being secretly on the payroll of the French king and undermining their own national security and other corrupt acts like that. And the emoluments clause says that a president is not to receive money from any foreign power or from the states. So when uh, state governments participate in providing security for Trump when he travels, and they rent rooms in his hotel and other things, they're putting money in his pocket. And this is just verboten under our Constitution. And if we don't honor and respect what's actually in the Constitution, then we're not a nation of the rule of law. Now, if you want to repeal the Emoluments Clause, you want to say, hey, the uh, the the Malaysians or the Japanese or uh, the Canadians can put the U.S. president on their payroll uh, and do so secretly, then go ahead, get that amendment made. But it's there for a purpose. It's to ensure the fidelity of the president of the United States to the welfare of our country. And it was just brazenly violated. And by the way, the hotel... um, that trump has in washington dc i I, early in the book i point out that on his motorcade from the capitol sworn in to the white house he stops on constitution boulevard none of the tv stations airing this pointed out he stopped in front of his hotel but i assure you every grifter in washington every lobbyist every foreign country's diplomat understood this was a signal that if you want a favor from the trump administration you will pay tribute and show your um, uh, bona fides to them by going to his hotel and other places. And that's exactly what happened. The Saudis made a big show out of running out whole floors when the head of uh, T-Mobile, the German phone company, wanted this $23 billion deal, along with another guy named uh, Sun, who's from Japan, a deal that the Obama administration had rejected, Huge show made out of going to the Trump Hotel, ordering meals, or getting rooms, getting attention to that hotel. And then they got their deal approved, even though the terms of that deal would have uh, were connected to a plan to allow dangerous trains called bomb trains that could have blown up in urban areas and killed tens of thousands of people. Something that all the experts advised against that the Trump administration pushed ahead on.
0: And and of course, you know, listen. I, I was going to ask you about that sort of stop the car in front of the hotel thing because, again, as I try and as as we have listeners of all kinds, I'm thinking there might be some people who say, "Oh, come on, David, you're you're pushing that now. The car stopped there. Maybe it was a uh, the random, uh, uh, you know." And 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 to, to try and read that message in it is is putting it too far. So, what would you say to somebody who says, "Come on, that's a stretch"? Or can you point to other things during his presidency where you say, "Well, this kind of thing happens all the time"?
1: Well, Donald is a master by his own account at knowing how to focus tv cameras the lighting he wants where he is you know he he instructs uh, journalists to come to interview him here's where you're to sit and i'm to sit this is the angle i want you to shoot uh he, he's really really good at that i mean there are a number of things donald does that, that i admire at his skill at them and stopping in front of The Trump Hotel was not a random act by any means. It was very calculated. And sure enough, you saw immediately after that the government of Kuwait moved its annual celebration uh, uh, that they started after we liberated them from uh, Saddam Hussein's army. They moved it to Donald Trump's hotel. A whole lot of other people moved it there. There were trade associations seeking favors that I describe in the book who moved things to his Dural Country Club. I mean, everybody who was a favor seeker got this message. And there were people who talked about it on, on television who had done things like this. So if you were paying attention carefully, and I don't expect most people to pay the kind of close attention to the things that I do like this, uh, it, it, there was no question what was going on here with the Trump administration. And in the transportation department, Donald Trump's transportation secretary, Elaine Chow, also known as Mrs. Mitch McConnell, right. she did the same thing. She turned the transportation department's top leadership into the marketing arm of her father's shipping company, which primarily ships uh, wheat and ore and other dry bulk goods between China and either the U.S. or Brazil. And she basically only spoke to communist Chinese journalists through her uh, four years in office. Uh, and the inspector general report, you know, says she did all these things illegally. Uh, she had government workers maintaining her father's Facebook page and doing all sorts of other activities to promote her father's shipping business, for which the inspector general recommended she be criminally prosecuted. Chances that the wife of a senator will be prosecuted for those crimes? Oh, come on, you know. <laughs> well, let me. happen.
0: With just a couple of minutes left, let me just quickly do a follow-up to that, which is to say that Trump might respond to you by saying, look, if people think staying in my hotels is in a curry favor with me, I can't stop them from thinking that, but I didn't tell them to do that. And number two, that money doesn't come to me. The money goes to the corporate, it goes to the hotel, it goes to the corporation. It's several steps
1: away from my pocket. Well, actually, Donald is the 100% owner of the Trump organization. So while he has costs for his business, as every business does, all the profits go to him um so that argument doesn't hold up at all as for the other argument um okay uh uh, you can make that argument but then why were you going to your properties and bringing uh, people there why were your cabinet officers your chief of staff all these other people there making a show of it if you weren't trying to increase the business of your properties why did you have u.s military flights stop at one of the most expensive places to buy fuel and put them in cabs and send them on a two hour ride to stay at one of your golf money losing golf resorts in scotland uh, i mean it's just a whole long pattern of behavior that i show in the big cheek of him steering business and telling people to go to these businesses uh, so i i think that I, I understand that's what donald would say well this is all nonsense but Donald says it doesn't make it so. The record shows what he did. And, and David, final
0: question for you. I, I wish I had another hour for you. There's so much in the book and so much to talk about. But, listen, if, if, if you were putting money in Vegas, I'd put it on him running again in 2024. If you were putting money on whether he gets indicted, right now I'm, I think the odds probably favor him not getting uh, indicted with anything. My point is, if he runs in 24, if he wins... You look at all the financial stuff for all the Trump supporters, millions of them out there who say, I don't really care about any of this stuff you're talking about. Why should they care?
1: Well, they should care because Donald uh, is he's he's a fraud. He's a con artist. I mean, Donald claims to be the world's greatest expert on 23 subjects. Uh, He claims to be uh, the world's greatest expert in all time on tax. I am a worldwide recognized authority on tax. I've lectured on every continent but Antarctica. Uh, under oath, though, Donald acknowledged he doesn't know anything about tax. So when he tells you things, you have to realize this man is the greatest, most skilled con artist the world has ever seen. He gets you to believe that which will advance his cause, whether he's selling you on a phony university where the he said the best faculty in the world and the faculty, none of whom he knew, contrary to his claims, turn out to be people who were dishwashers and restaurants and hamburger flippers who had no business experience whatsoever relevant to uh, a university degree. Uh, When he got people to put money into his Baja California resort that was never built, and they were telling people, oh, you know, we we might come over and borrow a cup of sugar from you uh, as part of their sales pitch. It's a family of grifters, a four-generation family of grifters, And they're they're, They are successful because they persuade people to not look at the facts, but look at what they want you to see and to follow what you wish to be true instead of what good, solid, skeptical judgment tells you is actually true. They're really good at it, Paul. and, And I admire Donald's skill at this. I have for 34 years. David K.
0: Johnson, Pulitzer Prize-winning David K. Johnson, uh, who uh, wrote for the New York Times and the best-selling author of It's Even Worse Than You Think and, of course, the newest book. Read it for yourself, folks. You make the determinations of of how it uh, it feels to you, the big cheat, how Donald Trump pleased America and enriched himself and his family. It's uh, certainly a discussion worth having because Donald Trump ain't going anywhere fast. David K. Johnson, thank you for your time. I appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Paul. Be well.